Interestingly enough, you know, one of the things that were said in, in the last podcast or about CRF was that, well, you know, I'm 63 and my generation likes CRF. It wasn't my generation. It wasn't even my dad's generation. It was my grandpa's generation that grew up on CRF because that's what they had. My grandpa was a marksmanship instructor in the Marine, in Marine Corps boot camp during World War One, And, you know, so marksmanship's kind of run on my family for a while. But so... <laughs> And he, and that's what he had. He had a Krag carbine, which he shot um, until it, you know, until that's the only gun he ever had. My dad wanted to get a, a pre-64 Model 70 Featherweight and 270. That was Jack O'Connor's gun. He couldn't find one. He couldn't find one at the hardware store, so he wound up with a Remington 721. And uh, that is what killed the CRF. The Remington 721, 722, not because it was better, because it was cheaper. It was 30 bucks cheaper back in the late 40s and early 50s. And are, are those the predecessors to the 700? Yeah, the 721, 722 is very similar. Okay. So the, the Remingtons were cheaper by 30 bucks than the Winchesters. Yeah. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, this is the couldn't tell it's the first time we heard that yeah that was a surprise from luke luke he did a good job i helped him on it too did oh you? did you <laughs> yeah, uh, i couldn't resist did he say yard gnome or i think he said garden gnome yard gnome yard gnome yeah. you do kind of look like he's a yard been gnome. calling me I, yeah but i got a big third leg so it's a little <laughs> different I got, Danny's like, you gotta quit saying that shit. That's like i can't help myself well that comes to that new employee rule about not lying you can't lie yeah yeah no I would lying. say that most of the guys that talk that way probably don't have it that way. Like, because the guys that do, they know they feel that they don't have to talk about it. Well, the problem is, is you just can't whip it out and prove it. That's you can, true. but you're going to go to jail. You could. What yeah. happens in the podcast room stays in the podcast room. Well, I don't want to break the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, like I told you, it goes back to our last podcast. A lot of times we're just coming in here and we're like, well, what are we talking about? Yeah. But this time we have Blaine the Murder Bunny Blaine, uh, Painter on, and he is going to talk Blaine about the Murder, Murder Bunny, Bunny Painter. painter. <laughs> <laughs> he he had a little, uh, Blaine, I guess you should describe it better, but you basically were listening to one of our podcasts and you had a lot of rebuttals. Well, I don't know if it was rebuttals. Here's what happened. I was looking for the podcast. Pull a little closer. I was looking for the podcast that I was on. You know, mm -hmm. wanted to hear it. 
and it, it wasn't up for whatever reason. And I come across the CRF one. I go, I remember that. And I listened to part of it. And one of the things that Jake said, well, I asked Blaine this and he had nothing. <clears throat> I'm going like, well, wait a second. I was in the middle of putting out some fire. He comes in two minutes. Tell me why CRF is the way to go. It's like, well, dude, that's 30 years of shooting push feeds, CRFs and double rifles in various scenarios. And I'm in the middle of something else. We just call it a senior moment. It, my, I wasn't it, a senior it, moment because I, I didn't. I kind of like working here, and I like Jake, and I couldn't <laughs> think of a way to say it without jeopardizing that. So I just let it go. Okay. Did you can you concur that happened? You said two minutes or less. I did. I did because we were we were like about to. It was right before we were going to do the podcast, mm -hmm. and I wanted to have some fresh, experienced information in my brain because gotcha. I don't really know anything about CRF, which what's makes the podcast fun. Well, I just want to throw my 10 cents in. I remember you saying you did that, and you're like, Blaine's got fucking nothing. He had nothing. <laughs> it was like deer in the headlights. I was like, Blaine, sell me on CRF two minutes or less, go. And I'm thinking, It was right. like deer in the headlights. I like Jake. He's my boss. I think I'll let it go right now until I can think through it a little but it bit. But wasn't, it wasn't from like an argument perspective. It was more, it was basically, well, what you're came, a car salesman, sell me the car. What came in my head was more of an argument. So anyway, yeah. at, at the point here, what I, I don't want to argue. I didn't present it that way, though. I didn't present it like, I think CRF sucks, you need to sell me on. It was more, it was just, sell me, like, I'm a completely inexperienced, I'm this, it's my first time in this fucking scooter store. Right. Sell me a fucking scooter. <laughs> And I'm not That's what I'm it. talking about. I'm not going to do it. Are we talking like a push scooter or like we're talking about like a little fat for the well, fat you know, people hover around? What's the what's the fucking uh, the the it starts with the M A something Macklemore Macklemore oh. Macklemore yeah. has a song where he yeah. goes in the fucking scooter store. He's all, Ooh, like, look at that scooter. I've never seen that before. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he, you know that dude from Spokane. Is he really? Yeah. But well, when I approached Blaine, this was my. It was not a. It was not a divisive question or anything like that. It was I don't know shit. Thrift shop. Thrift shop. <laughs> Listen to it. He talks about scooters. It was more like, I know nothing about CRF. Sell me CRF. Yeah, and I need more than two minutes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that was the point. And when I get to listen to that, I thought, well, you know, I really have some perspective I can give on this. <laughs> He's also a liberal fag. He writes on there. Oh, really? <laughs> Luke wrote on there. Oh. Oh, Luke. It only came in my head because of the scooter. That was it. We know where Jake's mind is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, so, yeah. Blaine. We keep cutting you off. Get no, in. That's fine. No. So, like I said, I'm not really, this is going to happen, but I'm not really to argue the CRF is better than push feed or whatnot because there's pros and cons to each. And I know them well because I've, I've had to, to deal with them for a long time. I mean, I'm convinced our center feed bat and Tika actions are really reliable. And I think that's the key with push feed. Center feed really makes a big difference. With the control run feed set up right, it's just happy to work. And uh, I mean, I really think it is a more reliable feeding and ejection system. But he here's the history of it. Um, I ha The only thing I had to look up was the actual dates of the patents and whatnot. I know most of this I just know from, from doing it. But... The original bolt-action rifles were built in the late 1800s, and they were combat battle rifles, and they were push feeds. And they went out, and they had problems with them, with that old double feed that we all talk about, where on a push feed, you start to push the bolt in, the round releases from the magazine, you pull the, you know, and if the rifle's pointed down, the round slides forward, you pull the bolt back, you can put another round, and it'll jam it in there. Now, proper training fixes that, of course, but, mm -hmm. you know, this, back then, and so... 
I think both Mauser and Enfield came up with control round feed designs where that wasn't going to be an issue. So control round feed was designed for a battle rifle to be reliable in the heat of battle. That's what its main purpose was. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, one of the things that were said in, in the last podcast or about CRF was that, well, you know, I'm 63 and my generation likes CRF. It wasn't my generation. It wasn't even my dad's generation. It was my grandpa's generation that grew up on CRF because that's what they had. My grandpa was a marksmanship instructor in the Marine, in Marine Corps boot camp during World War I. And, you know, so marksmanship's kind of run on my family for a while. But hmm. so, and he, and that's what he had. He had a Krag carbine, which he shot um, until it, you know, until that's the only gun he ever had. My dad wanted to get a, a pre-64 Model 70 featherweight and 270. That was Jack O'Connor's gun. He couldn't find one. He couldn't find one at the hardware store, so he wound up with a Remington 721. And uh, that is what killed the CRF, the Remington 721, 722, not because it was better, because it was cheaper. It was 30 bucks cheaper back in the late 40s and early 50s. And are, are those the predecessors to the 700? Yeah, the 721, 722 is very similar. Okay. So the, the Remingtons were cheaper by 30 bucks than the Winchesters. Yeah. <clears throat> Because they, they developed new manufacturing techniques, you know, it was the round receiver, all this kind of stuff. What year are we talking? 30 uh, bucks in? 48, late 40s, early 50s. When so was, probably a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks by now. Yeah, and people didn't have as much excess income back then either. Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad only ever had two or three rifles. He didn't have yeah. a safe full of rifles. And we actually, I remember one year, he had to go out in the 60s and he had, you know, he lost his job at the mill. You know, because they, they shut down like they would do every winter. And he said, well, let me at least spend four bucks for a uh, hunting license so I can go get our winter meat. And hmm. he spends four bucks and goes out and shoots a doe, and that was our meat for the winter. Hmm. You know, so it was a whole different mindset then. And now we have lots of options. But that that is what killed the pre-64 Model 70 is they couldn't compete cost-wise. And there wasn't enough difference. Now, the guys in Africa freaked out because they didn't like the push-feed design. But that, that, you know, that's, that, that was a different thing. As far as, anyway, so that's kind of the, the history of it. It was built as a battle rifle, and it really started transitioning during my dad's generation because the push feeds were less expensive. Mm. And, 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 and they functioned as well in almost all scenarios. Yeah. And maybe if CRF rifles were consistently reliable the whole duration since they were introduced, <clears throat> whereas you have the, the, the push feed wasn't as reliable in the beginning, but today's push feed actions are... Oh, I think they are, no, and especially, yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, the ones, the Tikas and Vespers we built, especially with a center feed magazine, they're very reliable. Mm. I mean, we just, you can still double feed it, but that can be trained out of it. And so my personal history with CRF is, and really, I'm only a diehard CRF guy when it comes to big game hunting rifles, but, but, and that's based on Remington 700s versus Winchester Model 70s. I was a diehard Remington 700 guy. I would argue long and loud why we didn't need to have CRF and this and that and all that kind of stuff back in the early days of the forums. And then I started having just about every failure that you've read about with a Remington 700. I had failure to feed, failure to extract. I had horrible galling on it, which kind of a design issue. I even had an accidental discharge. And I'm going, what the hell? Hmm. And the final, but I always thought that Remingtons were stronger and more accurate, and they're not. It, that was just their marketing that they came out with. And I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with the Remington action. It's just I got fed up with all the issues, 
And one day I'm sitting out in the range with a custom Remington 700 with a number five contour barrel and 300 wind mag. And next to it, I have a factory stock Winchester Model 70, both the 300 wind mag. All I had done to the Model 70 was take the spacer out of the magazine box and shorten the bolt stock and extractor so I could get the full length out of it. And that little skinny barreled Model 70 was out shooting the Remington. Now, that is not that doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's irrelevant, but it just went to show me, okay, it's not the action. So I started digging into it. And um, it probably because probably initially I had a bad experience. We have to take manufacturing quality into all of this stuff. A poorly built control round feed is going to be a disaster, and there have been a bunch of them. And you can misfeed a CRF also. Oh, it's hard to, but you can. It, it, it's, it's required of a CRF that you have the bolt fully drawn to the rear position but if it's for not, it to function properly. It just won't feed at all. It'll just move the bolt back and forth. That That's the advantage of it. You know, we're in a push There must feed. have been something when we had the last part. Well, you part. can't throw one in and then slide it over. Well, you, you, you can't do that you either. Can't, well, you can't. You can't do it on an old Mauser. Right. But it, unless they have the beveled extractor. And, and that's a whole other controversy, too. Oh, the beveled extractor's not as strong as a regular one. I don't know. But a Model 70, you can put one in the chamber and close a bolt, and it'll snap over. Mm. That's when, it, when it's made right. That's, that's not an issue. Um, I don't know if that's the optimal way to do it because you're spring and spring steel all the time. But, you know, it doesn't seem to be an issue. But uh, anyway, so when I went to the Model 70s, I've had zero reliability issues. Uh, now, this is compared to a factory Remington. We've not had reliability issues with our Vespers or Tikas either. Mm. You know, they, they just work. And, um, you know, it's a good point to talk about the different types of extractors that are out there. You know, we have, there are several. Uh, the Remington style is probably the most fussy. That little C-clip mm -hmm. with the little ex extension on it, that, that has a narrower... Um, how do I put it? Narrower range of rim sizes because rim sizes vary a little bit. I had one particular Remington that would occasionally just leave around in the chamber because the extractor wasn't the right size. You change the extractor, you can fix that. That little thing yeah. could get brass behind it and break too. Yeah, and it basically, if you think about it, I do believe I do agree with you. It's just a little fingernail basically holding onto that. Yeah. End of that. yeah. Now, you know, if, if you get a hot load, it works well because the brass will swell into it and it'll grip it pretty well. That's the way me it, and Jake work. Yeah. It's a common. It's a common upgrade. <laughs> to install an M16 extractor on a factory Remington But there's an bolt. issue with that, too. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the Seiko was the first one that they would do, and M16s are better because they're pinned. But, uh, it, you know, it, it puts a weak point in there. More than that, you have to open up that bolt counterbore. The whole Remington idea was you got this three rings of steel where you've got tight clearance between the bolt nose and the recess in the barrel. The problem is that a Seiko extractor, if you keep it that There's tight... There's a 700 extractor up there. Yeah, it's a good example of it. The mm. problem with the Seiko and M16 style is there has to be room for that to open up to uh, go over the rim. So the counterbore has to be a little bit bigger. And so you, you, you wind up, you know, whether or not that three wings of steel means anything, and it might help with gas control. You've just undone it by opening it up a little bit bigger. As far as strength, that's how far that the cartridge goes into the barrel. And, you know, I got a picture of the, the first Model 70 that I did. The case is all the way up there into the barrel. Mm -hmm. And with the Remingtons, too, we try to chamber them that way. You know, you don't want a lot of head sticking out past the uh, past where the barrel starts. And so, anyway. What are you talking about, though? I got a, somebody asked me a question the other day that I never really thought of, and you, probably, you two probably didn't have an answer for it. Is there really an advantage either way, and this is on the bolt nose? 
have it flat or, you know, beveled? Well, I think a coned bolt, Cone bolt probably yeah. has an advantage because it'll help guide the round into the chamber. Now, because flat, basically flat edges can hit flat edges yeah. and cause an issue, whereas a flat edge hitting a beveled edge is more likely to center itself. Right. Yeah. I okay. think that's more in theory than in practice because mm. I've had them work both ways. One of the reasons why a Model 70 feeds well, it is a cone breach. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, I've had some Model 70s will feed empty cases. You know, push feed probably won't do that. Machinists would rather machine a flat nose. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Absolutely. <than> a... <laughs> no, you, you go in with your cutter and, and you, you try everything and, and you get the cone at the right angle and it looks like hell and you got to get out the emery cloth to polish it up. And I'm sure some real old-time machinists out here, I'm, I, I know it, they know a way to go. And, oh, no, you use this, this, and this, oh, and it looks great. If you get great. your speeds but, and feeds perfect, I'm sure it could be yeah, but, accomplished. But there's real no downside to cone beveled, I mean... No, I, flat, I, like I, can't, I can't think of a downside to it. The key is how far we get that case up into the barrel. If we get that case all the way up where there's not much of the uh, head exposed, we're fine. And I've taken pictures of that and, and, and looked at it, and it, most action designs will allow that. That's where the strength comes from. The other part's gas control. And, uh, and that's why the um, Winchester, when they came out with their, uh, um, their Classic, which was just a slight modification of the Pre-64, there's a gas baffle opposite the extractor. The idea is to have stuff up there so if there is a case rupture, the gas doesn't come straight back in your face. Mm. That was a complaint with some of the commercial Mausers is that the old Mausers had what they called a C-ring. It was completely, the inside of the receiver was completely solid except where the extractor went. Well, as a cost-saving measure, they started cutting both sides of it so they could make left-handed ones. Well... That leaves a big hole right there that gas could come straight back down the raceway. Mm. In theory, mm. doesn't happen very often, but it it, it could. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so we've got the M16 style, the Seiko style, the Remington style, a sliding plate style, which I think was the original style of push feed extractor, and um, the push feed Model 70 that everybody hated because that's what replaced the Pre 64. That's the one we use on our Lapua bolt faced. Vespers, yeah, they work sliding fine. Plate, sliding yeah. plate works good. They, they all work good. There's a couple types of CRF, too. And I know that Bruce and Daryl talked about they had a CRF. Well, it was kind of a CRF. It didn't have that big claw extractor that grabs a big part of the case. They the, just Was it like the Ruger one? Well, it would control round push feed. I don't know if you've seen that, where the bottom of it's flat. I, I think Savage had one. A couple companies mm. have. They just machine mm. it flat. The round it does provide control round feed, but it doesn't provide the type of extraction that the big claw does that everybody liked. Mm. Um, something else that somebody had said is, you know, it's it's well put this way: it's not hard to get a gun to feed right or have a CRF feed right because that's one of the things we all acknowledge is that when you swap rounds in a control round feed, you have to make sure it's set up right because if mm. it doesn't come up under that extractor, you just ruined it. And it's funny. I recently took my 3328 Nosler. That's a whole different thing. Um, cool cartridge. but So I lengthened the magazine box because I can only get to 8.25 inches with the Wyatt's box in a Model 70 action. That's as long as it goes. How, wait a minute. How long? Eight, uh, sh sorry, 3.825. Okay. Yeah, I just hear the 825. Yeah, I was so thinking, man, 33XC, here we come. Yeah. 
eight inches. Well, I think I think the thirty three XC might fit on my CZ five fifty Safari. It oh. may be long enough. It's four point three five. Yeah, and I I think the CZ may be that long. I'll mm. have to check it. But anyway, so but so I I'm, I throated it long and I plus peed it. And yes, I got stupid velocities. I got mm-hmm. twenty nine twenty five with ninety seven grains of N five seventy in this twenty eight nozzle case, and uh, nothing I, wrong with that. No, that'll work. Anyway, but the whole point was I thought I'd ruined the feeding of it. After I did that, I couldn't get it to feed. And finally, go okay, I, I know that Kevin Wyatt figured this out, and I found one of his videos, and it was super simple. I slid back the uh, magazine spring, you know, the Z-shaped yeah. magazine spring. I scooted it back about an eighth of an inch and straked it into place, and, and it, it doesn't miss a lick now. It mm. was that easy. What happens with most of these cartridges and most of the feeding we, issues we see with push feeds is the heel pushes down and mm-hmm. the bolt rides mm-hmm. over it. Mm-hmm. So that's either spring pressure or just repositioning the magazine so it pushes it up. That's a good point about that mag spring also is that if you you can get it in the right spot and check your feeding and all it's feeding great, but then the spring moves on you. So staking it into position, epoxying it into position is important if you get something you know tuned yeah. just right. I was amazed too because literally I thought I'd ruined the feeding on this and made mm-hmm. it a single shot, and then when I did that, no, it'll feed those cases just just beautifully. Uh, anyway, one of the things that keeps coming up too is about push feed smoothness. <laughs> like so, what? It, it doesn't mean anything. The, 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 the smoothness because it's not doing anything. It's just sliding the bolt forward and, and sliding the cartridge into the chamber. The control round feed. May not feel as smooth. I have felt some that have been, but because it's it's doing more, but it's it's holding it, you know. So, yeah, in a push feed, you're allowing the round to just go where the easiest flow is. Yeah. you know, it's going. It's not going to ride up against the walls if it was held at the back end. Yeah, it just goes in as easy as it can. Where the control round feed says, "No, you're going this way." Mm-hmm. So, and when you understand why it was built, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe if they'd done better training back in the day. But uh, why was it built? But well, what was built for battlefield reliability? Because the probably teenagers in the trenches were double feeding rifles because they were scared. Well, they're holding them at all different angles in, yeah. in, a, in a way that the round can literally fall out of the ejection port before it ever makes it to the chamber. Yeah, you know, so they. That's yeah, why. Like, that's why they came like up with shooting it. rifles for dummies, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. It was designed to be as foolproof as possible. And uh, pros and cons. I mean, you know, like I said, my bench rest guns are not control round feed. Because they're all single shot, single feed, and that would just slow things down. And uh, th- those bench rest actions are big, beefy, strong actions. Why don't, why don't we talk about in what scenario you would absolutely want to have a CRF? I think if you went to Africa and you're hunting a Cape Buffalo. But in that situ- what in that situation makes you want a CRF? Why well, is just, that hunting situation different than any other hunting situation? You're, probably, you're not going to DRT a Cape Buffalo. You know, unless you hit him in the head, you're going to be multiple shots. And uh, no, I, I've not been to Africa and hunt. Well, like we could yet, take we could take but, any push feed hunting rifle and get multiple shots off. Well, yeah, but that was the idea in is, a standing is that, position. If if you've got a critter charging at you, you're probably a little bit nervous. Mm. And I don't know what I guess the point is that with a push feed action, we'll just say it's the Vesper, a hunting rifle that we're already experienced with. If I'm standing in off shoulder shooting an animal that's charging me, I don't understand what a control round feed would do better for me because I'm not, like I would literally be holding and racking and holding and racking. Yeah, and the, it, the rifle stays level. There's no opportunity for a round to fall out or not go where it's supposed to go. And, and I, really, I, I don't know if you could keep it to shoulder and work the bolt 
um, that is very difficult. Uh, most people wind up dropping it, and that's acceptable a little bit. But that, that's not the issue. If you run the push feed right, and, you know, for speed, they teach there are two movements, up and back, forward and down. I say no. For a, for a, a hunting situation, there are four movements, up, back, forward, down. You do that, you're not going to have any issues with your push feed. And, and people would rather have somebody who's experienced with a particular gun than just, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to Africa, I'm going to take Blaine's Model 70 that I've never shot. No, that's bad. Mm. What what error what error in shooting form is a CRF supposed to well, alleviate? It's, it's that it's whole thing. Feed. So you shoot, you probably bring it down, you bring it up, the nose may be pointing down, you're excited, you want to get one in as fast as you can, you don't pull the bolt all the way back. So in your push feed, you start forward or you get excited. Well, with a control round feed, if you don't pull it all the way back, it's not going to well, chamber around it's, either. It's not going to disable not gonna, your gun. Yeah, if you're not going to stovepipe it. You're not going to stovepipe it. That's, that's the, the real advantage of it. Go, you guys got to come shoot with us for a week with Forum because literally this is part of his little class. You go back to battle rifles. If you watch and you go back early with battle rifles, when we still had bolt guns as battle rifles, they had drills where they were grabbing it, reaping it. I mean, they ran it like they fucking owned it all the way back. Well, if you go fast forward to today, when we go to the range, what do we see fucking guys doing? They fucking shoot and they work it like a fucking, it's a precious piece of machinery. They pull the bullet out, they look at it, and I'm, and I'm, I do this too. I'm not going to say I don't do this. Mm. They look at the bullet and then they put it down and they slide the next one in. Mm -hmm. Well, the stress is still there with big game animals, and that's where the double feed does come from. So if you don't work that fucking bolt like you own it and you don't train, because the people don't train nowadays. They shoot 10 rounds, 20 rounds a year, and they go fucking hunting. Mm -hmm. So if you don't get out there and work that fucking bolt like you owned it, that's where the double if you do that, you don't have that problem. If if yeah. I was if I was going to Africa to shoot this, it'd be you were going to Africa, right? Yeah. And we're gonna go shoot this big fight. What what's the big animal? Cape Buffalo. Cape Buffalo. Buffalo. Cape Buffalo. It would be just like the fucking South Park episode. It's coming right for us. <laughs> and I'd be I'd be practicing racking fucking three rounds, standing off shoulder as fast yeah. as I freaking could, you know, just hammering it. Yeah. You know, so I, if you're not gonna practice doing that before they you don't. take your rifle to Africa, then just don't go to well, Africa. And that is absolutely the key is practice. And the PHs that I've talked to will say that. Yeah, they want a guy to show up and be familiar with their gun. Mm -hmm. And that goes to a double rifle because we think, okay, the double rifle is the most reliable rifle, correct? Well, it can, they can have problems too because I had one. Well, the only problem you're going to have is if, is if you pull the trigger and it doesn't go off. This is the one with two triggers. Yeah. Well, and yeah, they have single trigger doubles, but most people like two trigger doubles. There's all kinds of things. There's a hell of a lot of recoil because you don't run a brake on them. Yeah. And um, you can have a double fire with them too. Now, they should be set, but the whole point is you sort them out. I had one for a while. In fact, it was in one of the lower end Sabatis when Cabela's had them. But I took mine and sent it off. I had it re-regulated and the stock reworked. It was a good basic action and had it sorted out. But I had never worked so hard to get a rifle. I mean, it was like tuning a 1,000-yard bench rest rifle to get this thing to shoot four shots into an inch at 50 yards. It was mm -hmm. hard because you got two single-shot rifles, basically. It's got to shoot the same load at the same mm. point of impact. And I, I, we have to have him on. He owns I can't think of his name, but he owns this company called Happy Antelope, and he does a lot of safaris. He's been on quite a few. Yeah. And he... Uh, he said it's more of a romantic thing. Most of the PHs have, and we got to have them on because I'm a naive. This isn't, I don't know shit about safaris. But he said most of that's romantic, and most people are not using double guns as far as PHs. Well, they can't afford, you know, a cheap yeah. double gun is 12 to 15K. That, that's your, that's your savage, a double rifle. I picture like the, like <laughs> it's, <know>? uh, <laughs> yeah. 
It's at one of those college, uh, what do they call it, a fraternity, right? Like the college fraternity that's been around for 300 years. And yep. two guys grab out the little single pistols and they walk paces and Dude. they turn around <laughs> and shoot each other. The, these are the dudes that are using a double rifle. I will say and this, That's though, the romantic part I of it. Right. After, yeah. after shooting it, and uh, there is nothing on the planet faster that you throw it up and go bang, bang. Mm. I mean, Unless yeah. the bang, bang doesn't finish the job. Yeah, yeah, well, and well then, then you then, wish you had two more rounds. So there was in the a bag. And guys have done tests on this too that uh, a a competition between a guy shooting a bolt rifle and a double rifle just to see you know, four rounds, and, and I think generally this is like generally everything we do seventy percent fastest shot is a low power scope out of a bolt gun probably the fastest first shot fastest fa second shots a double. Probably fastest third shots out of the bolt gun. Yeah, well, it has the, to be. But, but the fourth shot is going to be about the same. A guy right. that's good with his double <clears throat> shoots, ejects, loads two. I mean, he's got but it if, in his hand. But the fourth shot out of the bolt gun would be the third shot out of hey. the out of the double gun. Yeah, ah, maybe. I've, I've done this training. Luke, look mm -hmm. up FTW Ranch Elephant Charge. I've done this training. No, yeah. they have an elephant. You have a gun. FTW Ranch Elephant Charge. Look it up. You have a gun. They give you a double gun. They give us a bolt, uh, controlled round feed gun. And basically, you got to stand there and you're looking down and they go, I'll go. And this fucking elephant's 50 yards away. Then it starts coming at you, the head of it. Mm -hmm. and you got to shoot it in the brain. <laughs> Here's my thing with fuck a double gun. Yeah. I'll take the bolt gun. Yeah. Because the double, it's just awkward to me. I mean, no, it's faster. And I, like I said, I'm naive to this, but it puts a little realistic. And you better work that fucking bolt like you own it because you got about two, two and a half, three seconds, and you try to get three shots off. Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're fast. I remember reading about a um, photo safari, and there was a bull elephant 95 yards away from this group of people who were taking pictures of it, and they were five yards away from the Jeep. For whatever reason, the bull decided that he wasn't happy, and he turned and charged. He got to them before they got the five yards to the Jeep. <laughs> like, geez, these things move. But now I want to tell, too, I've not been to Africa and hunted, yeah. My experience has been shooting these things. I mean, in you know, the double rifle was only at the range. I never hunted with it, but I shot it a lot. Here's a here, here's a, a couple a little series of questions here. So okay, um, as the GM here, have we built rifles for guys that specifically intended to use them in Africa? I think on planes game, not we haven't built a a, a dangerous game. Let's rifle. just let's just leave it general. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't know, but but no, there's a difference. Planes game commonly uses you don't you don't only use control round feed for the guys that wanted to do that. It, it would be for a a um, a Cape Buffalo or elephant or something like that. And we've not built one of those guns, but we built Planes Games guns. So if you're not ready to kill a T Rex, you probably don't need to think about CRF. Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, okay. I. How many guys have called in unknown for a rifle build that had to have CRF? Well, most didn't even know about it anymore because it's been out of favor for decades. So, uh -huh. I mean, like, like I said, the only, the, I'm not trying to sell them on it. I'm just bringing it in here. today, like yeah, today's I mean, rifle builds. And, and, you know, to be honest, I don't know why we couldn't build a Vesper in a 416 Remington or something like that, mm -hmm. 458 lot with that center feed. Because the three the three round single stack center feed That's, to me should be nearly as reliable as anything on the market. Just about um, with proper training too, and mm -hmm. of course you should be proper trained with everything. And that's always been the argument: is to be properly trained. And center feed. A long time ago, they started doing that for African guns, 
I think, didn't Remington do that on their African safari guns? Didn't they offer a center feed option on their bigger ones? Yeah. Yeah. We had several comments after the last couple of CRF podcasts from newer, younger outfitters that would say, basically they were trying to say that the guys that came in with a CRF gun, they had no experience with their gun. Yeah. They had no practice with that gun because it had a single, a singular use. Like if we owned a CRF gun of some type because we were going to go kill a buffalo, I wouldn't use that gun other than that that single purpose. Yeah. So and how experienced would, can you be with you it? You would practice with it though, because, and you'd get to know it, mm-hmm. know it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing is you got to practice. But with, with any gun, it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. I mean, and we don't. That's the thing we're learning. Yeah. We go back to the podcast where we suck at hunting. When we go, to, and I'm not trying to pump us up, but if you go to Shootout University and you take that course. There's one thing that happens the first day, and you hear it a million times from form. Rack, 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 because people fucking shoot, they and shoot then they, and they fucking look. sit there. They look. Mm-hmm. Yep. They look. Mason, yep. Mason is so good at that now. Yep. He was good at it before. Like, it was like a priority for him, but now it's even worse. It's like it's instinct at that point. It is, and it's people. You can't just kind of pussy, like you say, pussyfoot around. You, you can't pussyfoot it. And keeping it on your shoulder, that's one of those things when you there's this shooting thing, little drill we do, and it's keeping the gun on your shoulder. Because mm. you're right. Blaine's 100% right. People will shoot, and they got to look down and fiddle fuck around with it and then yeah. bring it back up to where you should be shooting. You shouldn't be looking at the gun. You should be looking at the target, mm-hmm. especially in a dangerous situation. Well, there's a problem with that, though, because the recoil of most dangerous game guns is such that if you have a short enough pull where you can operate it from your shoulder... Mm you might get smacked in the face with a scope. And that's one of the things I, I was asking the guys on the Africa hunting Wait, wait a minute. What, what are you saying? Well, we don't run brakes on dangerous game guns okay. because you don't want to deafen your pH. I mean, th- that had been the trend. I, and I guess they still hate them. So you're going to absorb the full 50 to 70 foot-pounds of recoil from one gotcha. of those guns. So first thing, you better get used to shooting that much recoil. And you can. You just... You have to work up to it and and, be, and, and don't shoot it prone. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. not going to shoot one of those prone. Right. But you work yourself up to handling that much recoil. And longer pulls usually go with heavier, heavier recoil because the gun is going to rise up a lot. And you, you try to prevent that. You want it to come straight back, mm-hmm. not up. Again, this is some of this is naive to me because I haven't done it. So I don't yeah, want to claim you to be an sh- expert. I mean, I've, I've shot larger caliper guns, you know, 416s through 458s. Shot a 470 nitro one time or twice actually, but and so you can get used to the recoil. But I was because I, I I asked the guys on the Africa hunting forum. I said, hey, what do you guys do? I mean, I said I cannot hold this my big guns mm-hmm. on my shoulder and work the bolt quickly. If I drop it just a little bit, and um, so really, a, a lot of the guys said it's okay to drop it. The key is to be efficient with what you're doing. When we talk about the the need for control round feed to eliminate errors in feeding, right? It really sounds like it has more to do with the size and recoil of the cartridge that a CRF rifle tends to be versus actually needing CRF, right? Like, as you just explained it, I cannot shoulder my, what is a typical water uh, Cape Buffalo? 416 Remington. So 416 Remington, I cannot keep that on my shoulder and continue firing without bringing it down to rack around. Yeah. Well, that has Mm -hmm. more to do with the size of the cartridge because of the animal you're trying to kill versus the actual need for CRF. It's more, it's because of the cartridge. I think that's part of it. And I'm sure there's experienced PHs and African hunters that are probably freaking out now with what we're talking about. But, um, because I've, like I said I've, I've not been in the dangerous game hunting situation. Any no. of these Cape Buffalo videos that I've seen that that seem like they're going bad in the situation, right? Or like the buffalo's charging or something like this. 
These motherfuckers have like a team of guys oh, standing back Backup there guns. behind the camera with four or five double guns ready to drop the buffalo five yards in front of the hunter. That's why they let guys bow hunt for him, you know? It's because of yeah. that. They yeah. literally, he sits back, oh, I poked it with the bow. Oh, and then it took 10 shots of 416 before the buffalo fell. Yeah. We didn't kill it with the arrow, dude. Yeah. It was the team of guys behind you ready to drop it. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's a good point, too. That's the argument about a. a you can't go. Not needing a you can't gun. go to Africa to shoot a Cape Buffalo by yourself as no. a, as a Westerner, right? No, you can't. Right so. there, see it? It's coming right at you. It's coming right for you. Boom! Go back that again. Just go back like ten seconds. Yeah, and that shit makes you feel it. <laughs> yeah, he did good. We're, we're not as fast as we think we are when that happens. I like that the Cape Buffalo one too, and that's like yeah. they, they do a leopard in a tree. Pretty, yeah. and they have do these ones that pop out at you, boom, right in the fucking face. Nice, yeah. And that would be a good course to take before making the trip. Because, MTW Safari course. Look it up. Yeah, that would be a good course to take. Hmm. Some of those, I don't know how often you get charged by a Cape Buffalo. I know that there was a period of time where there was a certain guy publishing a lot of videos and you swear he was provoking the charge. Hey, as, as a guy that wants to go to Africa and kill one yourself, I don't really have that desire T tell me what is the desire behind wanting to kill a Cape Buffalo in Africa? Yeah, I don't know. It just big gun, dangerous game. Got to, you know, you close, you got to be on your so game. So it's the near death experience. I, 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 I get, I get the challenge of it. I don't know. I want to do it with a six UM. Of course, of course you do. You're gonna, you're gonna be like Roy Weatherby. I was gonna say you're gonna have five shots into him, but the goal, the team of guys behind you just loaded ten rounds of four sixteen. They did dump him in the first. Just like, just yeah. like. Well, you need that perfect, you know, right in the brain. Well, I will tell you this, Roy Weatherby, with a two fifty seven Weatherby and an eighty seven grain bullet, shot a Cape Buffalo. He only did it one time. I don't know what the outcome of it was because all you ever heard was, well, Roy killed an eight Cape Buffalo with a two fifty seven. I think no. He, he shot it one time. And and the and the P PH killed the buffalo. There you go. Is probably you go. what happened. That would yeah. make Nick so happy, the quarter pounder. <laughs> yeah, no shit. This is the same shit though, like what happens in Vegas days. You're over there hunting with your the safari you paid twenty five thousand dollars for and you know, your rich dude, whatever. Ain't nobody gonna hear about the ten additional bullets that had to go into the buffalo. No. It, it also changes our choice of bullets, too, <clears throat> where, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Barnes TSXs at longer ranges. I certainly want one, something like that, for a Cape Buffalo mm -hmm. 20. I want it to go all the way through it, man, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. Or just a hard cast lead slug. That works, too. Anything. And, and, you know, this is nothing new. They've known this for over 100 years, what bullets work on big animals. Mm. And it's always bigger bullets, and they talk yeah. about how they react, how that the 375s are okay, and the 416s are more significant, and the 458s, they really start to notice it. But, you know, like you said, you're not going to be – you need to shoot the gun you can shoot well. They'll all say that. You, you can shoot well and you can practice with. So anyway, that, that's kind of the, the – the CRF thing, it was – I think the history of it's important and, and why people moved away from it because, let's face it, like we've said – 99% of the time, we're not in a situation where that provides a significant advantage. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you agree that the number one bitch is the double feed, correct, with the push, with the center feed? Yeah, th push th feed. There's, some, there's some other design features that usually follow with a CRF that are good, too. The mechanical ejector is probably more reliable than the plunger. Yeah. Uh, especially if you, you know, because you can get, Nick had this happen the other day. Can you, can you trying describe to what a mechanical ejector is? Well, yeah, it's, boy, it's kind of hard. Most bolts now, push feeds, have got a 
plunger ejector. It's that little round button that pushes out of the bolt. It's spring-loaded. Spring yeah. Yeah. That so can, as the extractor is holding on to it, there's pressure. Right. Ready to kick it out. It's 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 forcing the nose of the cartridge out with spring pressure until it hits the ejection port. So it's it's riding the inside wall. And then it flips out. Then it hits the <coughs> ejection port, and that's what flings it. Is that, that right. It's held on one side of the case head, spring pressure on the other. It goes and kicks it out. And the, the uh, disadvantage to that can be uh, you can get a piece of brass can flow into that and lock that up. And Nick had that twice on that. Oh, that that one barrel that was shooting way slow, because he you know he was trying to get speed out of it. He he yeah, br- some brass flow. Yeah, yeah, some brass flow. And we're on a a model seventy bolt, for example. It's flat faced. There's a slot in the side of it, and the ejector is actually at the back of the action, and it's it's spring loaded so that the bolt rides over it. But as the bolt comes back. This thing slides up into the slot, mm. and with the force at, at which you pull it back determines how far it throws the case mm-hmm. out. Mm. So that is a more reliable system. They don't tend to put that on push feeds, uh, opting for the plunger. And I think that would be, yeah, there's a good, oh, that's a good picture of it. The plunger. There, yeah. there, and if you scroll down, you'll see the ejector slot on the Model 70 bolt. It's on the far right. On your right-hand side below the big oh, picture. Wait, there's another one. Yeah, right there where it says ejector slot extractor. Top left. So that thing physically comes out and pops it out. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Can you see the slot there? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the, the ejector slot. It goes through the bolt lug like that and guys will go, oh, that weakens it. Well, yeah, it, it, Model 70 seemed to handle blowups just fine <laughs> like anything else. But yeah, so so that it's a very positive extraction. I've often wondered why they didn't didn't add that to some push feed designs where they wanted the ultimate reliability. What's the best CRF action to build a rifle on today? Oh, that's controversial too. <laughs> They're spendy. That, the that's best. the pro- that's the problem is they get expensive. Well, not uh, the okay. Let's let's say not the Gucci. The best design. Well, I don't know. I mean, a a a, a Model Seventy Classic is a really good design, and so is the CZ Five Fifty. Those, what about like the the American Rifle Company? Yeah, that's that's. I mean, they look dorky, okay, but they feel real good to operate. That mm-hmm. that lampshade bolt handle on it, mm-hmm. it looks dorky until you run it. And uh, yes, that one is very smooth. That's more of the Mauser design, which is a slightly different than the Winchester design. That's a really good one. They don't seem to be super heavy either, and they actually make those for competition. And so, but giving giving advice to a hunter, a new hunter looking for a custom rifle build, the advice is not to push them to CRF. No, only if a guy comes Unless in. Unless he's trying to kill a T-Rex. Yeah, if he comes in, he <laughs> says he wants to go to Africa. And in that Buffalo. situation, why not just buy Why not just buy a double gun or something that's already ready to go? I'm sure there's some type of well, affordable well, rifle you can buy. You can buy a 375 Ruger. You can, okay. or a, you, can buy a, you can buy a Model 70 and 375 or 416 ready to go ready to go 13 14 1500 bucks there you go so that's the solution rather than building a custom rifle with a crf yeah because Mm -hmm. let's face it we don't need our you know quarter minute all day Mm -hmm. accuracy out of 50 yards what are we talking 1200 1700 bucks you said i think they've gone up what's the name of it the it's the winchester look this up model 70 safari winchester model 70 safari let's get a price on that and that so, is, what, and then on that other token, because I like to hear both sides. What is the what is the best? What is the fucking Mercedes of control round feed? You know, a Mercedes control round feed, Gucci. 
Yeah, there it is, Safari Express. Uh, that is not correct. That is an old push feed design. Uh, yeah, Takeoff Express. That's Google deciding for you, which I hate. Let's go to the next one down. Yeah. Is an iconic Safari rifle. It's not the Express, though. I don't think. Hmm. It just said elephant Fuck, gun. Fuck, they're hard to find. Oh, I'm sure that, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, right there. Okay, you, you can see the claw extractor on it. You can probably scroll down to the bottom if it's an article and tells you the price yeah. somewhere. There it is, yeah. God, that is ugly. <laughs> it depends. Some guys like how it looks. Nobody does. I guess that one shoots Blind okay. people. But, uh... 416 Remington, 9 pounds. Ooh, that has some snap. I don't tell you the price. Anyways, that would be your go-to production that, that rifle. Would be, and the advantage, uh, 375 recoil is not bad at all. And the 416 just takes a little bit of getting used to. Mm. The 458s, you really start to notice it. Look, look up the 375 Ruger Hawkeye, I think it's called. Imagine if you're going to Africa as a, as a one-time kind of trip and it's specifically to kill a big animal. There's going to be several pieces of gear and equipment you're going to acquire just for that trip versus, like, you know, the guys have the leather little belts with their rounds in there and... I don't know. You just gonna, well, there's going to be stuff you buy that you're not going to use on all your other hunts. I think the biggest thing, you're going to buy whatever safari clothes you get, you're going to treat with Promethean. Right there. Right? <laughs> so you don't yeah. get oh, bit by some too... nasty critter over there, some yeah. nasty tick or bug or something. Two but, grand, I guess, for that 375 <clears throat> Yeah. And I mean, any of those work. And I think most of the PHs would tell you if, if you told them, well, yeah, I just I just bought this Model 7416, <clears throat> but... I've got this 375 on a Vesper that I've had for 10 years. They're going to say, yeah, bring your... <laughs> I would just put a fucking big-ass Barnes bullet in the 33XE. I don't think they'll let you shoot Cape Buffalo with that. I with think a 33 cal? I think with legally, I think it's got to be a 370. <laughs> like I mean, you, there's rules. A 40 a fucking Acubon 300 in that? Well, well yeah. absolutely would take care of it, but the, the 40 cals, uh, and if you want to do elephant... If I pulled that 33XE cartridge out with the big old donkey Acubon on the end of it, I'm sure they'd, they'd say, yeah, that looks good. I don't know, but I mean, they, they have laws written about the oh, cartridge okay, okay. you can use. Yeah, okay. so and I, I don't know what they are now. It's, yeah, I believe it has to be a three seventy five, so or the nine point three by sixty four or seventy four, one of those. Luke is asking. Besides money, what are the downsides to running a CRF action the entire hunting season? No, oh, there's none. There really isn't. Well, no, there is one. Well, I can't say that because sometimes you, you it's action-specific. You can't get a Winchester longer than 3.825 inside length for when that matters. Mm. The CZ550 Safari will go longer, but it's a big, heavy action. You're not going to build a lightweight gun off of one of them. So yeah. I, I, th I think that's it. I th it's, just the, it's just the action length. Would you have a CRF gun chambered in 6.5 Creedmoor for a deer gun? No, the smallest one I got is a 270, but because it, it was a pre-64 Model 70 featherweight. And uh, no, when they get small, um, I, I go to, uh, yeah, push feed's better when it's small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kimber makes a nice control round feed action in various sizes. So they're, they're pretty good. This goes back to the, if I'm going to Africa or a dangerous game hunt in Alaska or wherever, it's an outlier hunt, so I'm probably buying or building a rifle for it. Oh, yeah. For it, yeah. Yeah, everything is going to be special revolved around that trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, 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 once again, you've got to train with it or it'll mess up. You know. This goes back to the whole thing, like why shoot hunt started, is you, you've got to fucking practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, and you're right. We, none of us practice as much as we should have. No. We're trying to come up with a slogan right now for shoot to hunt, and, it, and it, it's being difficult because our name is already the slogan. We shoot so we can hunt, basically, shoot to hunt. Yeah. If one of you guys out there has an awesome slogan for Shoot to Hunt, 
please use the what do you call it the voice pipe speak pipe speak pipe, speak pipe it in here on the voicemail or uh, or email us or something and podcast at shootun if we pick your slogan you would win something awesome yeah we're gonna get so many please don't not 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 gay ones <laughs> not just gay we're gonna get so many sexual innuendo ones oh here we go all the kinds anyways matter. before we get to Blaine's what you said your bitches and My gripes pet peeves, yeah oh, I, we're gonna do a little speak you guys have been using speak pipe. Was, first of all, was that it on your CRF? I think that gives. I fucking hope so. Yeah, I think that <laughs> We're gives forty-seven a, minutes in. <laughs> yeah, well, a good history of, of why we had it, and the slight advantage it provides in certain situations. No, I think it was good. It was good. Now we can't yeah. have the comments that we were not educated about it. We brought in the education. It is, and now I think we got to have the next thing have him on and have the guy from Happy Happy Antelope that's been on. It's been a bunch of safaris. We, yeah, we need we a guy have. who's killing buffalo. Yeah. With various types of rifles. Yep. If you have a guy that's been overshooting elephants, Cape buffaloes, leopards, lions, yeah. What what am I going to say to him? I'm going to sit here and going to go, yes, sir, yes, sir. No, no but I no. mean, you you no. build the guns. I mean, you don't build a lot of those particular guns, but you've been around them. Well, yeah. it'd be good to get the other side of the experience from the guy that's actually boots on the ground. Yeah, he may say it doesn't make any difference. It just makes sure. I you imagine know how to that's shoot what most guys are going to say today. Yeah. Is it doesn't really matter as long as you know how to use your rifle. Yeah. Okay, hmm. so we got a lot of speak, like we promised we would start putting the speak pipe questions up. So a lot of them are just kudos, or a lot of them are just general stuff, but we're going to play them, so then we'll respond. Okay. Hey, guys, just wanted to tell you I love the podcast. It's been awesome. Um, I guess my question is, is there's been a lot of talk about the match-grade bullets for hunting lately. Um, I'm just wondering if you guys are including the Hornady A-tips as considered as part of the match grade hunting bullets um i've personally had four deer killed with 135a tips that have been devastating and uh have not moved more than about three or four feet so just had great results and just wanted to see if you guys are including the a tips as considered match grade hunting bullets per se thanks guys bye all right, so I on the match tip hunting or the A tips form talks to this better than I can. But I've shot two animals. I've seen four animals total shot. My two, two more. One was a two thirty out of a freaking three hundred Terminator, six hundred yards on a good mule deer buck, and it I hit a hard raking shot through the court, just basically caught the rib and it blew a fucking pumpkin size hole out his chest. <laughs> awesome. The next one was on a bull elk. And it was like an ice pick went straight through it. Yep. Mixed results. The other two, same thing. The one was a was it one fifty three for the six five? Is that what yep. it is? Yep. Both were one sixty five. One was on an antelope, and one was on another deer. One was catastrophic. One was an ice pick. So I can't. I, I don't like. I said I don't try to talk about shit. I don't know. I don't trust it from what I've seen so far. But then I hear. We have you have a guy you build a gun for twenty eight nozzlers no. and he says they're they're the greatest things and he's, and, and he's a picky dude. Very I yeah. think yeah. I think the right answer is mixed results. I think yes. that what we hear we hear awesome stories and bad stories. There must be something with the way the aluminum tip is bonded or pressed into the bullet versus the polymer tip. The polymer tip just seems seems to expand more reliably. What well, shears off? And yeah. I think what form says is it. It's not consistent the way an A tip comes off the tip of that exactly. little tip, <clears throat> to where the way I understand it from form he's better explain this, but you rarely hear like a murder bullet ELDMs they pretty much kill the same way they're just catastrophic. Mm -hmm. 
there's no penciling through to where he says if that tip doesn't come off at the right time, the aluminum tip doesn't yeah. shear off at the right time or it stays on, it's just going to zip right I think through. It takes more effort to shear off the aluminum tip versus the polymer, obviously. Yeah, and that's a bullet that I steer away from just because, because you have better things, you have better options. Mm-hmm. If you're going to shoot a match bullet, you can shoot ELDM, ELDX, yeah. or any of the burger bullets. Yeah, so I guess the answer to him would be we would prefer to use the M versus the A tip. Um, there's always an option for an M that goes along with the A tips. However, the A tips do have better BCs mm-hmm. for the most part, but not an, a good enough. And imp- the incremental improvement in BC from an 830 to an 840 is not giving you anything in life. You won't. You it's can't. Nothing. Nothing. You can't shoot the difference. So don't choose. We would choose the M bullet over the over the aluminum tipped bullet for reliability purposes. You know what's interesting on this though is because I have this conversation with guys every day for everybody that loves a certain bullet and i don't care what it is somebody else hates it absolutely and it's like well because every bullet at some point has failed it doesn't matter how good the bullet is some bullet has failed on somebody somewhere but the reason i don't make conclusions on like an a-tip i want to see 20 of them i don't want to see like because most of these are onesie twosies oh and you see it all the time with burger bullets burger bullets suck well how many times what happened? Well, I shot an animal. Where'd you hit it? Well, I didn't find it. So they're guessing. How many times you walked up to an animal and you said, oh, it's a perfect shot right behind the shoulder. And you get up there and you're eight inches behind the shoulder. So you don't actually know what's happening. So I want to see a big body of work before I and make And you decision. don't want to be the one to lose 20 animals learning how a bullet performs. Correct. You want to hear from other people. Well, yeah, and that's the issue is that even no one of us has enough experience to really be statistically significant. Even Ryan, as much as you've done, but when you look at a hundred years of hunting, I don't and think shooting, Ryan actually kills things anymore. He's just what helps. He uh, tells me I he's going to kill all kinds of shit and then comes back with nothing. Yeah, but he stares at three twenty bulls and laughs in their face. <laughs> that is the there's like that. There it is. He's on the mountain fucking staring at five three twenty bulls, just uh, laughs at them like you uh, guys ain't good enough. Yeah, it's, it but this, like this, that. this it does <laughs> seem like that. This whole conversation has been going on for a hundred years, yeah. and I mean it, it has never ended. And, you know, I think in my own experience, shooting, I don't know, 30-some deer and hogs, which is not a lot, but Mm -hmm. just about every type of bullet you can think of, I've shot them with. And guess what? Every one that went right behind the shoulder, whether it was a Barnes TSX, a Sierra Game King, a Hornady, whatever, uh, an Acubon, they just fell over dead. Mm. That's deer. Deer deer and hogs are a little easy. Well, sometimes the hogs would move off. But, yeah, it's shot placement, like we've always said. But goes back mm. to like the Indians and your flint arrow sucks. And the other one going, your chert arrow sucks. Tipped arrow. I think generally when we talk about murder bullets, right? So we're talking ELDMs, not mm-hmm. so much ELDX as we prefer the M's. And then we're talking about hybrid targets versus the hunting line of burger. Mm-hmm. So as we're promoting bullets or saying, oh, this is what we would use. This is what we believe to work reliably. We're talking 180 hybrid target, 215 hybrid target, 230 hybrid target. Yep. And then all the M line. Yeah, I prefer the target burgers over the mm-hmm. hunting line no. except for the eol except for the 195 nobody should shoot a fucking 195 yeah i think that's the key is there are certain bullets that perform well in certain calibers like we know that the uh the 210 ablr performs really well mm. whereas some of the other ablrs don't mm-hmm. you know so it, it just seems and it, the sad thing is it's all anecdotal evidence yeah i right. think maybe an acubond at closer ranges is probably the most reliable bullet if you can get it to shoot. Well, partition's mm. most reliable. Uh, yeah, right, a partition. Yeah, you're right. All next right. speak pipe. Next speak pipe. Hey, you guys listen to this? Sure. Are. I could not believe when you said on that number forty-one here that you've had one comment. That's ridiculous. Oh. You know what else is ridiculous? You've had like a couple of comments on the website underneath it. it says leave a comment. I thought 
I don't know. It's all getting redirected. Anyways, I was going to start this out with, oh, yeah, brother. (laughs) Anyways, I just want to say thanks to you guys. Thanks for having Form on. I'm one of those guys that downloaded those podcasts and listened to them like three times. Nice. Still wrapping my head around it, but I'm learning a ton. I can't believe how much I'm learning and uh, how much of it. It's almost like Form picks the most contrary stance you can have on everything. That's his fucking style. And then you go and tell your buddy about it. They go, well, that's shit. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so that's after me, the 223 thread, the painless load development, all that stuff. Do you guys do you guys try and talk with your friends about it? I know it happened with Jake. I know Ryan went and hung out with Form, shot with him, and tells Jake about it. And Jake has every same response I've got. But uh, there we go. tough to argue with facts and experience. So, anyways, I'm with you guys. Thanks for putting the stuff out. I appreciate it a ton. Thank you. Can't wait to, uh, if I can show up to Ha Ha, that's exactly what I'll do. Fuck yeah. And uh, maybe we'll see you guys down the road. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for that. That's a good one. Don't it? miss Ha Ha. We are getting signups now. It's limited. And I'm not, and it was, I keep saying this about the shooting school. Yeah. Well, we fucking sold it out. We're already, we're already into 2025 on the shooting school. Yes. Ha Ha has a limited number two. Of, of people that can actually attend it. Yeah. So once it's full, it's full. Well, that can attend the classes. There's a lot of shit going yeah. on. We keep adding vendors uh, every week. We've added stocky stocks. We've added mountain ops. We've added gunfighters. So everybody's kind of coming on as we go. It'll it'll fill up more uh, towards May. This yep. is May 4th and 5th. If you even think, we'll give you a refund up until 30 days before. So if yeah. you think you're going to come, sign up. Uh, if you sign up for the whole gamut of 10 classes, we're going to be doing some special shit Friday night before meet and greet, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, get signed up. Yep. And then form has kept me up at night too. So do you, me and Jake and even Blaine a little bit, aren't the only ones that when you listen to him, you're like, yeah, what the fuck? And then you get into it and you're like, well, maybe he has a leg. Every time he fucking comes, him and I got to sit here and argue for 20 (laughs) minutes before we can actually start talking about shit. Right, it's like a twenty-minute right here, mm-hmm. and he thinks it's get. I don't really get heated about so he thinks like it's like heat, like a heated thing, and I'm gonna get upset or whatever. But it's just like I'm pretty firm mm-hmm. on uh, if I believe something to be accurate logically, like I can be firm on it. Or if I have yep. experience with something, or I know something is supposed to work a certain way, yep. just like with the whole hot bar, cold bar, I just knew there would be a difference because there has to be, and that's what started the whole. Which that should be coming out. So Luke has been working on the video. For the cold bore hot bore challenge, we've been we, we're compiling all the data, trying to present it in a, a digestible way. So stay tuned for that; that'll be coming soon. Have we talked about the next myth we're going to bust or not bust? Which one was this? This is whether uh, Blaine will have a shitter oh, when we talk shit. about this. One. Is does bull ammo prep matter when you reload? <clears throat> yeah, so we're going to take some. We're going to let a two-year-old load some ammo, and then we're going to let unknown load some ammo, and then we're going to see if there really is a difference between the two. Yep. Uh, what are you doing? Like, what's a waste of time? What's not? When I said two-year-old, I meant Ryan. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm one and a half. Hey, I don't know that that, that brings up a good point, though. That's one of my pet peeves. Oh, shit. Is that, well, gee, if, if I buy ammo that's carefully and precisely loaded, it's going to shoot good in my gun, guaranteed. Mm. Like... No, if, if, if your barrel hates that load, I don't care how precise it is. On the other hand, if you have a barrel and the two-year-old loaded ammo, if it's in the node of where it's going to shoot, it's going to shoot. And the no. whole idea behind our load dev and the stuff that we offer is to tune it to the barrel because mm-hmm. barrels change over time. And 
with the level of accuracy people want now, you, you just can't. I've had guys say that, oh, I just, well, just, just load me up some stuff. I trust you. I go, look, it's not a matter of trust. I have no idea what your barrel's going to like. Mm. They generally li- like things in this category, but I mean, I could be a, you know, I could be a grain off. I could shoot terrible. Well, there, there's so. a production rifle guy and there's a custom rifle guy. Yeah. There is a factory ammo guy and there is a custom ammo guy. And there's a Ventress shooting guy. We, we know well, that we, li- we yeah. literally have Hornady on the podcast who explains to us that load development is simply hitting a target pressure with an available powder. That is as far as load development goes for production ammo, factory ammo off the Cabela shelf. Yeah. So they're trying to hit a certain pressure that will likely shoot well in a variety of guns, but the odds are that is that it doesn't. Hornady has these calls all fucking day too. I guarantee. I bought your box of ammo off the shelf. It shot like shit. Well, here's some more ammo. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know. So, anyways. This goes back. I mean, it goes into so many caveats of what matters and what doesn't. And that's the key. When I get guys that are concerned about getting that last two-tenths of an MOA out of their hunting gun, it's like, why aren't you out shooting rocks and stuff in the woods? Mm-hmm. That extra two-tenth MOA in your hunting gun isn't going to matter. When you're a two-MOA shooter. <laughs> well, but we all are in the field. Matter. I mean, oh, yeah. crud. <laughs> all Is that right. all the speak pipes? Nope. Oh, more speak pipe. Let's see. Leave some messages. Let's see. Nope, no, not, not that, that one. one. A few episodes have been pretty awesome, especially with Warren, but they got us out here in California, which is a blue tip state, and by that I mean monolithic, wanting to shoot the hell out of these ELDMs. So what do we do? Paint the tips blue? Pluck out an LRX tip and try to swap it with a Hornady tip? Or uh, is there a decent monolithic option out there? Um, I'm, I couldn't care less about monolithics anymore. I'm, I'm thinking about rolling some ELDMs and just begging for forgiveness, if you know what I mean, unless you can uh, steer us back back to legal there's i would say not that we would not what they were recommending this as a business but i do know of guys who like to carry a couple lead free rounds in their pocket and maybe something different in their rifle (laughs) and uh that seems to get the job done i've come across a bullet that i'm getting excited about and that's what sam mcguire's make with mcguire ballistics and he's done constant development and that was that one, you know, the, the test case that we have. Okay, we've had one. We've done two load developments with them, and they've all shot sub half minute at 650. Really good. The 169 7mm Copper Rose is a 750 BC, no kidding for real. Come out of a 7 PRC at, you know, 2970-ish. Well, we had a customer, you remember, bought that gun, went out without load, shot an antelope at 500 yards. Okay, what is that, a 100-pound it, animal? It's already killed a couple more animals since then that he sent me pictures of. Yeah, and this I mean, is Jim's dad's, Jim Rogers. Rifle. Well, anyway, it, it's on the antelope, what, an 8-inch hole, exit hole? Was, so they're expanding, and that was at 550 yards. Mm. I'm thinking that might be the way to go. And, you know, there, there's hammer bullets, too, and they're probably better than the barns. I know Hammer but, got a big Weatherby contract, you know, for, for Weatherby ammo. I think Peterson's making the brass for them, and then they're using hammer bullets. But I would push people toward Sam right now from what we've seen so far because they seem to expand. And uh, This is coming from a stance of if you don't have to shoot lead-free, don't kind yeah. of stance. But if you do, then Ryan's on the fence. That's why he's so quiet over there. I'm not on the fence. I got no comics. I don't even know what I'd do. I would move out of California. Oh, That's the would, best advice. No, the best advice is play the fifth because I already know what I'd be doing. You would be doing my first recommendation. Be something. <laughs> as I said, we're not recommending this as a business, but I do yeah, know a couple yeah. guys yeah. who handle oh, that situation I, this I way. I know of a guy that massacres animals, especially pigs in California. And yeah. 
That's all I'm going to say. It's not we with know, a lead-free bullet. Well, yeah, it's, that's the dumbest shit ever. Uh-huh. Oh, it is. California, that was a huge market. You know, we'd think, oh, it's a liberal state. But, yeah, it's 40 million people. There is. That's the second biggest state on Rockslide. Yeah. California. Do you know that California has more people than the entire country of Canada? Should we invade Canada? I think we should. What does that have to do? Come on. We we just, it should be California versus Canada. No, we get, dude, they, there's more people in California. I think they have something like the smallest standing. We could, it'd be like a day and a half. They'd just give up. It's like the French. Well, there's not even any guns anymore. And most of the guys would be for it. What? What do you have against Canada? No, I just want their resources and their animals. Oh, okay. So you're like an alien. No, no. You I'd, want to come down no, and I mean, consume all the resources. I just not an illegal alien, but <laughs> <laughs> we could evade them. We could take them for like a day and a half because most of the people are just going to say fuck it. We hey, want to be actually, Americans too. This reminds me here. What it, you said, Hornady had kind of some new products announced that we did have. It, it may have not been a speak pipe. Was it a speak pipe, Luke, or it was an email about the that speak new pipe, speak pipe? Okay, it may so maybe on here. Let me let's do this last one. And see what happens. Okay. Hey guys, love the pod. Keep up the good work quality content thank you just reaching out to see what thoughts were on the Hornady's new ELDVT bullet yeah it was this one see if you guys think it can hold up to we're the all staring at the UM. tv waiting for it to be up there yeah <laughs> ryan sleeps with under his pillow every night and, uh, <laughs> see if jake had any thoughts on any potential downsides to trying to load that bullet with the weight so far back in the profile and in the jacket um, and any other thoughts, benefits, things it's a, you guys it's, it's a hundred grader. have on that design. It's kind of interesting, a little little different than anything 98. traditionally brought out. Look up those VT bullets, six millimeters VT bullets, Luke. So they came out with a bunch of new bullets. They came out with the 22 arc. So it's basically ELDM with half the lead. So basically I would not, I would not shoot them at animals. Because you're asking it to do more with less. But it's literally meant to be a varmint-killing bullet. Yep. Which guys that are killing varmints are not. Scroll down and bring up like a half cutout. See how that lead's oh, way, wow. way back? So that is it. This talking to Forum, because I didn't know shit about him until he told me. But he said, now imagine if they took that bullet and filled it all the way up. It'd be like a 120. Now that's what we need, Hornady. Hmm. <laughs> What are they saying here? Rapid fragmentation. Yeah, it's designed that has for to be It is. Well, cause, yeah, because you're going to pull all the way back to where the lead is, like lickety split, and you don't want that in an animal. Somebody was com- animal. complaining to me the other day about using some of these heavy for caliber match bullets out of 22s that they weren't cleanly killing varmints. They were wounding them. They'd poke mm-hmm. a hole in them, and it wouldn't kill them cleanly. And so I think they're probably trying to address it with that. Yeah, because you were trying to get the bullet to penetrate, you know, the first thing is placement, penetration, width. That's how you kill animals, and you're not going to get all that with that well, in, bullet. In, in the text there, they're basically saying the tip drives rearward, rearward through the air gap to make it expand dramatically, mm-hmm. rapid and dramatic fragmentation. So that's their reason for leaving <laughs> some some open air there. Yeah, rapid, rapid expansion. Which we, which we know that it really doesn't need that air to have rapid expansion, you know, if it's just an ELDM bullet. Yeah, because you're shooting animals that are very thin. Yeah. Very thin. If you're shooting at elk with that animal, I don't think it's This is kind idea. of like the sub, they make that uh, that sub X bullet, specifically for 300 blackout subsonic rounds that expands down to, I think, 500 feet per second. Has some pedals that open up. So it's a similar idea that they want something that exp- 
expands violently down to low velocities. But still long and has a good BC. Yeah. Yeah, so my my opinion is we do not want to shoot those at big game animals. Well, the first thing is that there's no experience because the bullet just came out. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, the way it's set up is probably not a first choice. Well, not when you have an ELDM exactly. in, that, in that caliber. Which is a 10, well, there's a 108, 108. ELDM yep. would be the first choice. You could shoot a 103 ELDX if you needed to. Yeah. You could shoot, uh, there's a 105. That, Hybrid. Yep, that Forum really likes. I've never shot one. Have you shot the 108 out of the 6UM yet? I blew some up with the plus uh, P. Yeah. I don't think you'd, but the 107, I don't know this, I haven't done it. A 7.5 twist, non plus P, I think you could shoot them. I had a guy ask about that. That's what you have now. Yeah, I think we could shoot them. We know the 115 DTAX work, and he was asking about other bullets, and I said, I'm skeptical on the 108 ELDM holding up. I I blew him up halfway to the target yeah. with the plus P. Yeah. On that note, we had a big feedback on Rockslide about 6.5 PRCs in a in a 6UM, and uh, they say we can't do it because like a 20,000 at the web expansion. So all that tells me is we got to try it yeah. and see what happens. So yeah. what's wrong with it? So the question was asked to us if we could fire form a 6.5 PRC in a 6UM. Uh, yeah, neck it down and fire chamber. a 6.5 PRC case to, to become a 6UM. Half an awful short neck. I mean, you it could see the bolt long jam it in there. Yeah, and it's... Uh, it's They're so close, but... So it, you're worried about the neck. This guy's saying it's because the SOM case has a rebated rim. That, that expansion at the web there is going to be crazy. Well, it might be, cause but it, an issue. It, it shouldn't be anymore. I mean, what is it? I think ours are 552 at yeah. the 200 line, and I mm. think Alex Wheeler's is 552 or 553 or 551, something like that. So they're, they're real close to the same diameter. I don't know if that one, would be a one is a, One is a rebated rim and one is not, though, so it has to yeah, be Yeah, but a the difference. rebated rim doesn't really change anything because the head size and, and all the, the meats around hey, that. We're so. myth-busting. we got to fire one. Yeah, uh, I we'll mean... Have, we'll send up the neck. It's fun to speculate, but until we shoot it, we don't know. But yeah. I, I would imagine the neck could come out short because... Hmm. I'm pretty sure somebody fired a 6.5 PRC and a 6.5 saw while we were elk hunting. <laughs> it's still killed. <laughs> it's still hinted out. <laughs> because the neck was all flared out. Yeah. We don't, we don't know if the brass was usable after that, but it did no. happen. Oh, yeah. So we'll but I see. like it. We'll have Nick shoot it. Mm. <laughs> I said Nick will be in his shop with a string out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it. What? A, real quick, we got an hour and eight, but what are your bitches and gripes? Well, the one I wanted to bring up now is, is we're building more competition guns, which we're glad to do. That's kind of close to my heart. A lot of first-time competitors are coming in, and they're trying to build something that's way out of what the mainstream of the successful competitors in that discipline are doing. And that's not a good way to start. The best way to start is there's a reason that those guys settled on that particular equipment and everything at least start there then after that one guy a good example came in he's a real good guy like him a some lot. guys just like to tinker and be different though well but yeah but here's what happens they come in they tinker they're they don't they're not competitive and they quit and so one guy came in and he wanted to shoot a 6.5 prc chassis rifle in f class okay i don't shoot f class but i know enough about it i just told him no he goes, what do you mean? I go, that's not what those guys use. Those guys are shooting 7.65 PRC, right? They're shoot- Yeah, there's 7.65 PRC, 7 SOM, and 284 oh. in a, a wooden stock. And uh, anyway, so I finally talked him into doing that, and he did. He, he got a proper stock and a proper barrel, and we chambered it for him. He's doing really well. Another nice. guy came in. Um, 
You know, it's, it's like, well, here's some examples. Like a 6.5 PRC in F class is, is not a good choice. That doesn't mean it won't work, but maybe experiment with that later. The 6.5 Creed in PRS, as far as I know, all the successful 6.5 PRS guys are using a Dasher or a, or a 6GT or some 6mm variant. And so, you know, like a 6.5 Creed may not be a bad way if you want to buy a, a Ruger Precision Rifle and get factory ammo and go shoot with it. But if you're going to build one from scratch, you ought to build it in a Dasher because that's what guys use. Some guys are moving also back to 25 because of the new 133 and 135 bullets. And that is a real exciting breakthrough in that. And mm. yeah, and, and that would be something worth doing too because there's potential there. Mm. But uh, anyway, so that's my thing is at least do the research and figure out what all the guys are doing and why before you come in with something left field. Because I want I want the customer to be successful and to continue with competition shooting. If I had a nickel for every time somebody showed up with some super accurate gun for something else at a bench rest match and just finished last and left and never came back, I mean, it would be a rich man. Yeah. And I want him to, 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 to stay with it. But it's, it's hard just to stick your toe into competition shooting now. It's gotten so refined. Maybe you can stick your toe in NRL Hunter because it's kind of designed that way. Hard. Is it a high, high buy-in? I mean, what's the to compete and be good, what's the buy-in bullet-wise? Rifle wise, for what 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 competition? Let's say bench rest or well, F class. Uh, yeah, bench. Well, you're probably gonna spend if you built new eight to ten k mm. to get all the equipment, everything set up. I'm not as sure on F class. The guns run around six or a little bit more, and then your scopes and then your your rests and all that kind of stuff. And if you don't if you don't set up with good stuff, you won't be successful. And won't stick with it. And even PRS guns now are coming in at what. Five to six K for a custom oh, build. Easy. Yeah. And and PRS is so refined. And so is F class, so is BR. It's so. no different than NASCAR. The cars are built so similar it comes down to the smallest yeah. changes, uh driver skill, things like that. But it's it's a neck and neck yeah. competition. There's probably one percent difference between all the cars. Yeah, they're probably that close. Yeah. And so it comes down to the scale. But yeah, that's that's the thing I wanted to bring up. I want guys to be successful. And so research what you're doing. And see what the successful guys are doing. And it, guess what? It may not be on the internet. <laughs> you may mm -hmm. have to dig and talk to somebody personally. Go to a match and see what they do. They're, all the shooting sports are pretty welcoming to new shooters. And see what they do. That's the best way to ensure success. Otherwise, you're going to spend money and quit. And Espe wasted. Especially you thousand-yard Ventress guys. You're kind of an endangered species. No, I don't think we're endangered. I think we're just very mature. Uh huh. That's why and I mean by endangered species. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> They're very gray. We we have young guys out there too. The old guys tend to beat them. You know, they just mm -hmm. you know never pick what would they say? Never pick youth and whatever over age and treachery. You know. Uh huh. <laughs> so, but okay. Uh, do we are we giving away anything? Uh, yeah. Did you guys? Can you throw up a name up there for a free set of rings, please? Again, we'll, the... we'll go through it. We're going go look up Ha Ha Shoot to Hunt. If you need to get a hold of us, podcast at shoottohunt.com. We love hearing from you and speak pipe. It's on the website. We are taking names to at this point for Shoot to Hunt you in 2025. We may offer two classes that year, but if you want to yes. get on the 25 list. I've breached the topic with forum about having multiple classes in a year. Because it, you know it's funny, and I'm not trying to toot our own fucking horns, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> on Rockslide, they're like, there's no fucking way you're going to get three grand a class. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. This is a class that there's no way 
There's not a person that I, I know that shoots a lot that won't benefit three grand worth. There's not mm. a person. Mm-hmm. You are going to, from day one to day five, you are going to be, be doesn't matter what level you're at, you're going to be 100% better at day five. Mm. You just are. I've seen it enough. Prepared to be humbled. Yeah, you're going to suck. Yeah. We all suck. Except for me. <laughs> I don't I even need to take the class. That's how good I am. We, we have a pre-class, and we're going to throw uh, big money into the ringer, that yeah, pre-class. Right. <laughs> Try to get Blaine over there. I got to stay back and run the shop, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Oh, we did add, uh, so we did decide to do an in-person reloading class after so many requests. Uh, it's going to be June 1st. Saturday, June 1st. Saturday, yeah. June 1st. I'll get it put up on the website if you guys see that, on the Unknown Munitions website. Um, we got a new hat that we just picked up yesterday. For those of you that are watching on the, the YouTube there, it's kind of a sage green with black thread. It's a Richardson 112 trucker style. It's got an elk on the back. Pretty sick. Those will be up on the site yeah. today. Every day, on not every day, but I hear from people quite a few times a week. How can we support Shoot to Hunt? Buy merch. Yeah, we don't. We actually, if if we were all honest at this point, Shoot to Hunt has just been a, a, a big consumer of money. It hasn't <laughs> actually made anything Mm-mm. yet. So we, uh, yeah, we're building for the future. Yeah, we got a lot building of building cool back things. better. Isn't that what it was? Building back. Oh, don't say that. Let's ah! say it's better. Let's say it's a whole lot better than Bidenomics when we had a fucking business. There we go. But we do have some cool things coming this winter that we're going to have on the site. And uh, you guys, you got to wait and see. Oh, yeah, we do have some new shit coming out. They can oh, also what, rock stock update. Let me see here. Oh, what, 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 let's just say what the date is right it's now. It's funny because Jessica just texted me. What's, so what's going on? Today is Thursday, November 2nd. As of today, that fucking stock better show up, but we're supposed to be receiving our printed stock, which is our base template for modification by the end of this week, which would be by tomorrow. Uh, we have form coming in. Hopefully, first thing next week. As long as it shows up, form should be able to come in Monday, Ryan, and then maybe you, me, and him Monday hash all this out. Can we mold it up in one? We day? can do it this weekend. Yeah. If, if it shows up, we're gonna get it done this weekend. Fuck! I hope it shows up. If it shows up, because form's gonna pick up that rifle, we're gonna we're gonna have this off to Stockies next day or next week. Okay. If this all goes according to plan, Stockies is thirty days out from putting a test stock in our hands, which puts us somewhere around first week of December. As soon as we approve the stock, they can produce two stocks per day per mold, and we will initiate the first buy-in at that point. That's where we're at. Yep, and it's five ninety-five is what we're looking at. Yep, and it's going to. We're still going. I keep getting these questions every fucking day on Red yeah. Side and Pimp. We're gonna do something for the first hundred, so pay attention to that. We don't know what that is yet, and it will be fucking drop tested. I don't understand why people think it now, this day and age. We won't be drop tested anything. Yeah, we we will drop test. Did we drop for test sure. this hat? Yeah. We should. We yeah. should. Let's see. Throw that shit. <laughs> oh, oh! There's a first one. It made it. It made it. But yeah, the stock will be drop tested. Oh, it made it. We'll we'll do a variety of tests. So if it, if it's gonna pass the drop test, we know it is. Maybe we'll run over it with a with a side by side. Maybe we'll throw it off a cliff. We'll do some shit and show you guys and go from there. Yep. It, it people because people are worried about those carbon pillars. That's that's yeah. The, the carbon hangout. pillars totally get it. We'll definitely test that because we are also concerned and we'll make sure that we're delivering a proper uh, product. Another re, another uh, concern was that the butt stock was going to actually have fill in it. The answer is yes. Uh, it'll have some type of available accessory rail system for the front that's kind of integrated. I think that's the way we decided, right? Right? The fucking names they come up with with these subscribers. What, oh, shit. Here we go. Well, uh, so, yes. Yeah. You're right. I, to, so we're going to have an integrated rail. 
It'll be Arca, Pick, or Spartan is kind of where we're at at the moment. It'll be a very small section right. at the front of the stock. Yep. It will be stylish. The rails will be made in-house to perfectly match exactly what the stock is. Yes, and we can't make everybody happy, but as this goes on, we will have multiple different molds. I mean, we're not just going to Well, we're going to do one. a 700 and a Tika to start. Correct. Right? So we're going to have two molds so we can cover all those guys. So whether you're 700, yep. short, medium, or long, there will be a stock for you. Mm-hmm. And we'll and we'll get to the ones that don't want the scout. We'll get to, we'll get to all if if this is as big as we think it's going to be. We're going to take care of everybody. We'll take care of the savage. Maybe take care of the browning, but definitely to start the tika. The tika is going to be first because it's always bastardized, and we just want to beat the seven hundreds to something. Yeah. So we'll do the tika first, yeah. and then the seven hundred. And once the pre-orders start coming in, and we can buy more molds because, like I said, this is not a small lift. This is expensive to get these stocks made. This in uh, the Winchester. Yeah, maybe like way down the list. Well, it's always those guys. So it's the it's the lefties, it's yep. the Brownings and the Winchesters and the what else? The Rugers. What else? Yep, the Rugers and the fucking Howa. The Howa. You're like, what? <laughs> are you guys going to offer an inlet for a Howa? Well, not one time in business history has somebody asked for us to build on a Howa. Have you, you know? had a Howa in here to fucking get rebarreled? No, not, not rebarreled. No. We threaded some and, okay. and some no. stuff like that. But, but nothing but, major. But it's no. that guy. It's the Howa guy who wants to know if he can put this stock on his Howa. That's so true. For those of you that are in the market for some type of rifle, just buy a fucking Tika. Don't buy the weird named one. Then you have some options. We can offer it. Flat. I mean, a Tika six hundred fifty bucks, seven hundred. Buy a Tika. You go. You watch put a rock fucking, stock on it. Hey, Black Friday's coming up, and fucking, there's a lot of sales on Tikas every Black Friday. There you go. There you go. As a matter of fact, we just had the, the Beretta rep in here yesterday, so we're going to become a direct Tika dealer, and uh, you could buy them either custom or the way they come out of the box very soon. If you start with a Tika or a Reven, Remington 700 platform, it's fucking easy to upgrade. It's like an AR platform that just everything mm-hmm. works with everything, and you have much more options available to you. Another solution is we can offer a flat top. That way, for anybody that's diehard that wants to do oh, yeah. something weird. Well, I'm sure there's going to be gunsmiths out there that... that have their own. That's probably how they order all their stocks. They do everything in house, and that's great. So uh, Tika is a little harder because of the recoil lug and everything else going on. You know that Tika it. recoil lug works way better than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I'm really impressed with it. Yeah. It's like they thought it out. I know. <laughs> yeah. So going back, so shoot to hunt you. If you want to sign up for 25, just shoot us an email. Marketing at shoot to hunt dot com. Uh, the 24 is already sold out. We have ha ha coming up. Limited entry spots. We will refund you if you end up not being able to come. So jump on Shoot to Hunt's website, get signed up. Rock stock. What and else? Then Rock our stock, actions. Hats. New Ooh. actions. Yeah, new actions. Uh, so we finally got the name of the new competition bat action coming out. It's going to be Hammerhead. Uh-huh. One word: Hammerhead. <laughs> I don't. I like it better than what we were fucking at before. Imperator. Yeah. Imperator was pretty sick. That's pretty cool. No. Imperator was a, a short of Latin for tactical. Anyways, that is for the competition action. We are also simultaneously releasing a competition barrel program. With the more barrels you chamber, the better discount you get. Um, have, I may have missed it. Have we talked about the new features on the action? Or can we talk about those yet? Uh, well, we're just going to say it is, it's, it's going to have a 75-degree throw. Okay. So is the Vesper short that's coming out in January also that's what i'm excited it does have the competition action does have another substantial feature that no other competition action has and it can make you faster i'll just say that we want to wait to release that detail until the action comes so so i mean i'm just dreaming here but 
I got I got I got this new A6 millimeter barrel. Oh shit. Right? I got this what 24 ounce Vesper 75 degree throw coming. Yes. And a 25 or less ounce rock stock. Oh yes. fuck. Yeah, it should be pretty light. Oh, and it's all the thing about the Vesper, and this is another pet peeve. Talk about pet peeves. We're getting along here, but if you buy a fucking action today and it's not integrated, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a price point difference there too. Like, it, if you're on a budget, you're on a budget. Okay, but buy there a are fucking some... Tika then, and you can just put the re- our fucking rings on it, and you're still the then same. You don't need a rail. Yeah, but <clears throat> this day and age, if you're buying a custom rifle, save a few dollars more and get a fucking Vesper or any action that's totally integrated with the fucking yeah. recoil lug and the rail. Yeah, definitely. That's pet. Okay, that's my only pet peeve. Yeah, so those are coming out. Um, Premier rings. Premier rings are back from Anno in two to three weeks for the most popular sizes. If you're watching YouTube, they're out here on the table. Uh, this will be how they'll be delivered. There is a full grade five machine titanium clamp and recoil lug. Level still built into the base, all 7075 aluminum, all Anno mill spec anodized, I'm sorry, nitrided hardware, uh, one inch wide. In other words, one inch girth, not a one inch scope diameter. And it's been fucking drop tested. When we <laughs> will drop the rings here in a minute, Luke Luke assures me that within the next couple of weeks, all of the marketing videos will be done showing what these rings went through before they were to reach your rifle. And they are fucking secure. They're good looking ring too. And they're four and a half ounce because we paid the extra for the titanium clamp here. We're at four and a half ounces total for the pair. And again, this is a one inch wide. This is the equivalent width to a night four six screw ring. It's not a 20 mil wide like most other rings are on the market. So these are added security, magnum security, all that good stuff. But thoroughly fucking tested is what they were. So I'm happy with that. Look good. Yeah. This subscriber. So you <clears throat> you you won a set of rings. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll give a set away every podcast. The winner is Jace McFetridge. McFetridge. <laughs> You sure? Fuck no, I'm not sure. Well, let's get it here. Let me, let me see. Jace let me see. McFetridge. Let's see how you did. Hey, that was good. I don't Nothing know. I, th- I swear, I don't know. You haven't been on some of these, but those two guys, Luke and Rhett, will find the most fucked up last <laughs> names for us to pronounce. I swear. Hey, Machaney is a fucked up last name, too, no? Oh, I could. Machaney'd be easy. Yeah. It's like these, you know. I went to school in Idaho. Fucking spelling's not my... McFetridge. That's out McFetridge. there. McFetridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Is that Irish? I don't know. Couldn't say. Scottish? Scottish? <laughs> Usually everything with a Mick. Mick. Yeah. Motherfucker likes to drink. Mick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jace. Well, get a hold of us. You can get a set of Tika rings or the new Premier rings, correct? Yes, absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening.